comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Hey guys, we wanted to give you a heads up on our next two episodes. We're going to be uh, going back to the old school way of doing movie review episodes on occasion. And we're going to do a deep dive on two movies that we missed over the last few years. We're going to uh, talk about Iron Man 3 in, uh, in detail. And we're also going to talk about The Force Awakens in detail. Our recording history has been spotty the last few years. We've skipped some movies. Uh, so we're going to go back and start trying to do that. And while everybody's self-quarantining, we're going to take advantage of, of this time. So our next episode will be on uh, Iron Man 3. And then the week after that, we'll, we'll talk about The Force Awakens. So go ahead and get those under your belts, and we'll see you soon. The moon with the Rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. For best results, shake well before serving. So I snuck out of the house and did some curbside shopping and I what? bought I'm gonna show you guys. <gasps> I bought myself a Lego Batmobile. Not the yeah. not like the hundred dollar Tim Burton Lego Batmobile. Right. But this right, was right. like less than thirty bucks. So I'm really looking forward oh. to putting that together. And Brad, wait, hold that up. So what movie version or animated well, version of Batmobile? Or is it just generic? It's similar. It's similar to the Tim Burton one. Yeah, it's, there you it's go. It's not okay. specific. It's not a specific one. It's just, in fact, the name of the of the kit. You know how they have names. This one's called Batmobile Pursuit of the Joker. It's it's just a a generic looking Batmobile. It's very cool though. Um, and then also, remember the old school Doom games? Yeah, yeah. Computer yeah. games. Well, in 2016 they released a new Doom game. And that I played, and it was fantastic. Um, I played a bit of it, too. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, but recently, they put out the Doom Slayers collection, which has that 2016 version, but it also has the original Dooms 1, 2, and 3 computer games Ooh. on this on this PlayStation 4 disc. So Isn't the, isn't the first one, like, 4-bit? It's so funny when you I have to I had to download enter a code to download the first three games. Okay. You know the when you first put put this disc in, you had to download like eighty gigabytes to your PS4 or whatever. Right. Then when you download the first three games, it's like three hundred megabytes, four hundred <laughs> yeah. megabytes, 
<laughs> it's crazy. But I'm looking forward to playing those old school games on my PS4. So that'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So, since, since we've kind of dived into game talk a little bit, I just started playing Cupheads. If you guys are familiar with this game, I've uh, it's never a it's a side it. scroller. Um, um, it's a super simple game. You don't need a network connection to play it. Uh, I mean, it's it's basically like a 1930s version of Mario. But I'm playing it on my Xbox. Uh, I like it a lot because the levels are short. They're very repeatable. And um, like last night, I was stuck on a level, and I must have done it. I'm just going to guess 30 times. Oh my but gosh. like, but uh, time. I mean, I spent an hour and a half, and I didn't even know what time it was. It was a great way just to kind of kill time. It's very entertaining, fun. I think anybody could kind of play it. They are challenging. How much does it cost? Enough. Uh, it, I bought it because it was on sale. It's normally twenty. I got it for fifteen, and I just downloaded it from the Xbox. Cool. Nice. I've basically been playing one video game for the last year now. I've uh, I've, I've found that um, my my undiagnosed ADD or whatever uh, just doesn't just doesn't keep me in the mood to grind through a level on Destiny or Tomb Raider or whatever you got. Um, so I've been playing a lot of golf lately. <laughs> which is uh, which is actually uh, maybe as frustrating as uh, any uh, FPS game, um, uh, just simply because it, it takes no prisoners. I, I've I've gotten sucked in. You know, the Tiger Woods franchise uh, carried you know e-golfers for a decade or more and uh it went away uh back uh, after tiger decided to run into the um run into the the fire hydrant and have his wife uh beat out his windshield with a golf club you know all that stuff um and uh they tried in 2016 to put out a uh, tiger uh sequel with rory mcelroy and that apparently was a colossal failure so we went a couple of years with nothing, and we finally got uh, this thing called uh, the Golf Club 2019, which is if you enjoy video, if you have grown up on video game golf as I have, we I have played it literally since the days of uh, uh, Intellivisions and uh, Atari, you know, 5200s. Um, this is my my buddy Mike, who I, I constantly complain about this game to him, and he says, "Hey, this isn't a golf game." It's a golf simulator, and it has no Fs to give. It pulls its pockets out. Its pockets are empty. It does not care about you, and uh, it will. Uh, it would spoil a good walk if you were it's actually like watching. Oh, my God. Speaking of spoiling a good walk, um, no, uh, uh, this game is uh, it, it's unforgiving, and I, I feel like I'm actually pretty good at it. And then I go and uh, shoot scores, which make me want to cry. So uh, you know, um, but for some reason, I'm obsessed with it. I think I've just I've always been just kind of obsessed with video game golf, and this is this is amazing. It, it's it's on on my Xbox uh, One X. It's just almost photorealistic. It's just crazy how good the graphics are. Um, but yeah, but that's just me. I uh, it's been a long time since I've shot something in the face in anger, so that's my problem. That's very you know, in, in, in video games. I've in been video cutting games. heads off with yeah. lightsabers lately. So <laughs> nice, nice. I saw something on uh, YouTube, uh, Lord of the Rings um, with lightsabers. 
Yeah. Oh, it's I think I saw that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. <laughs> there's a uh, there, there's a uh, the battle scene in uh, the mine, the mines of Moria, um, where uh, <laughs> it, it's all uh, lightsabers, and uh, Legolas actually has uh, little lightsaber tipped arrows. Nice. It's pretty choice, man. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, for those of you out there who have nothing better to do than listen to us, you absolutely have time to watch Lord of the Rings with lightsabers. Go to it. I've got a couple of other, um, or excuse me, uh, YouTube um, subscriptions to consider, uh, but we can get to that uh, later. So a couple of sites I've, I've gone to. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the things that we have been watching while in quarantine, or shows that we've kind of enjoyed lately. Uh, I'll get the I'll get the ball rolling. Uh, I recently finished Picard, and spoiler alert uh, concerning the ending. Um, uh, well, I, I wasn't totally excited about how Picard ended up in the Gollum. Uh, I did absolutely love data uh, being deleted. I thought that was done beautifully and just loved it tremendously. I thought that was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, the series itself, I thought, had some uh, uh, plenty of highs, a couple of lows, but uh, overall, you know, I, I would give it pr- easily uh, three and a half, maybe four reverse flashes. Easily. I thought it, I thought yeah, it was we, good uh... to have the card back. I don't think we had seen the final two episodes when we uh, talked about Picard last. So yeah, there's uh, uh, quite a bit of addition to the uh, to the to the uh, the legend uh, has been added since we uh, last referenced it. I I um I think I was most uh, interested in the fact that they didn't leave us on a cliffhanger. They actually uh, wrapped a storyline up, and uh, at the end of the episode, it was basically uh, two stars to the right, straight on till morning. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, that was and, and uh, that was really cool. I, I appreciate that because I mean, I guess maybe they didn't know if Picard would be back for a season two or if he even wanted to. I, I don't know why they didn't leave us the cliffhanger, but thank you for not doing that. And I guess Discovery has done the same. Um, now Discovery left us on a pretty ma- no. That, I'm a liar, man. Discovery has absolutely left us with cliffhangers in the yeah. first two seasons. I suck. Edit that out. I'm kidding. My, uh, I don't mind being a fool. My okay. favorite part about the Picard ending was um the fact that it feels like jerry ryan is going to be part of the crew from going forward and she's she's been my favorite part of of picard at all was was jerry ryan so um, she definitely wanted more jerry ryan yeah uh, i mean she 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 was used sparingly which i I don't know maybe that was was a good thing but i I would love to hear more did it seem out of the blue or kind of forced or whatever that it appears that seven and Raffi were kind of having some kind of relationship all of a sudden at the very end of that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because they're, you know, they didn't show any type of like maybe flirting or hanging out prior to that. It's just suddenly they're holding hands at the, yeah. uh, at the lunch table yeah. uh, in, the, in the galley. Um, I don't mind them having a relationship. It just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. That was well, the, the main uh, thing was that uh, again, uh, like Frank, it doesn't bother me that it's, you know, that they're having a relationship, but it was like, why are they all of a sudden out of nothing appearing to be having a relationship? That just, it just seemed kind of weird and forced. It, it did come completely out of left field. And, um, you know, you, you hate to think that, well, we've got to add something like this in just to show how woke we are. 
it would it would be nice to to move away from you know slightly away from a little woke world get back to a normal um, world of course we just want to get back to a normal world anyway right now and yeah i had i had zero problem with it i just thought it it was not motivated at all as far as the viewer could tell a lack of motivation for things happening is like my biggest problem with storytelling in general like if something just happens without it being hinted at or foreshadowed um and and it just seems like forced the emperor then that's coming back in rise yeah. of skywalker yeah exactly hey, what's up with that exactly Frank, you you said you finished Discovery. I've never seen Discovery, so I'll just listen to you talk God, about it. It just okay. fascinates uh, me. So, well, uh, the reason I, I, I never did, Bill, is because I didn't want to pay for CBS All Access to watch yeah. Discovery, which I thought kind of spat in the face of the original series. Again, okay. that was uh, that was my that was my first initial reaction to it. Well, I probably watched Discovery, maybe, but. I'd rather. Uh, my humble opinion, I think Discovery is far more watchable than Enterprise, which actually did spit in the face of Star Trek canon to that point. Okay. Okay. So, so let me kind of dive into this because Brad, I was a little bit on in your camp, just a little bit, but uh, all the information I had about Discovery was secondhand. So there, there's a podcast I listened to about Star Trek, and so they were going through the episodes of Discovery as they were coming out, and I would listen to them. I don't really care about spoilers, so it didn't bother me. But uh, uh, they would talk about, you know, oh, it's fun, but you know, they did this, that kind of goes against canon, and stuff like that. I, I would say, you know, out of ten, they, they rated Discovery overall maybe around a six. You know, they they had some problems with inconsistencies and how they displayed the Star Trek universe, um, you know, prior to Kirk. And and uh, I heard that and I go, God, that just doesn't sound like me, uh, for me. I just won't watch it. Well, because of Picard, uh, I went back and I watched Discovery, and I have to say, uh, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Uh, it is different. There are there are inconsistencies with the original uh, Star Trek. Uh, Discovery takes place uh, about ten years before Kirk, Brad. About yep. ten years before Captain Kirk. So style wise and technology wise. There is a big difference. Yeah, I don't see how they can reconcile that, and that's probably the biggest problem I had without seeing any episodes. And, you would, you and, would go nuts because they do have the Enterprise in season two, and it looks nothing like TOS. I mean, so, it's not not even close. And and the tone of the show, because you know where Starfleet is, has always been in our minds about discovery and looking at new worlds and all that beautiful stuff. Uh, this one is more centric on action and wars and battles, and that's not the that's not the Starfleet we know. But but I will say this: it is fun. It's just fun if you can kind of look past like like the little inconsistencies here and there. I just had a good time with it. They did a good job. The characters are fun. Uh, the storylines are interesting, and um, you know if canon is super important to you, this is not the show for. If you can look past it a little bit, just a little bit at times, I I, I think you might enjoy it. Well, the people uh, that I, I would, the people I would that created it, this. I'm sorry, Frank. Yeah, I I, I was just gonna say I would give it three and a half uh, uh, reverse flashes out of five. People, I just had fun with it. People that created the show obviously know Star Trek fans are passionate, and they're going to be sticklers for canon. So how do they explain? 
the difference in technology and and Bill, when you said you see the do you see the inside of the Enterprise like on the bridge? Oh yeah, you see and, the inside. And yeah. How, oh yeah. How do they explain it looking different? They don't. I, I remember. Um, so who, what are they? Was it, what are they trying uh, to prove by making it different? I, I well, have I'm a theory. To, I, I have a theory about this. This okay. is CBS All Access. They're trying to get people in. The you could argue that Star Trek fans are going to come. You know, maybe not a hundred percent, but but they'll come. You need to get new viewers in, the new, new people in. And I think that's who Discovery is kind of geared towards. Are there are people who just like, oh, I kind of remember Star Trek, that old show from the 60s. Oh, new take on it? Heck yeah, I'll watch that. Why not? It's the same people who, who enjoy like uh, NCIS and uh, Hawaii Five-0 and, and the new MacGyver, you know? I think the show is geared towards those people with a passing interest into this, the massive Star Trek fandom. That's out there. That's I, my um, I can't remember uh, who I heard this from. I, I, I don't remember if this is supposed to be attributed to uh, the great bird of the galaxy himself or one of his Berman Braga type lieutenants. Um, but, uh, but the, uh, the phrase was basically um, if Roddenberry could have made the bridge look like we can now, he would have. So, even Roddenberry would give a thumbs up to the continuity uh, error of it not looking like you remember it looking. Basically, the point is, you know what? Just pretend that those 79 episodes of the original series, just pretend that those happened on this bridge because it's the same bridge. How different um, is it? How oh, Just it, how different is it? Well, it's um, uh, it has a very um, Kelvin look to it. The, the bridge is very uh, wide and spacious, and there's a lot of room in between people. But the uh, color the, scheme are the same, and the the, yeah. the things on the screen are the same. Um, you see more of the floor, which is a glossy black, shining, uh, uh, shiny material. It's definitely more uh, uh, fancy than the original, but but it's the same layout. It's very, it's very tech-centric, but you do have the navigator and the pilot are in the same relative positions as the captain. The science officer is kind of, you know, over the right shoulder, you know, so you do have those same dynamics, those same, you know, directions uh, uh, to deal with. Um, I... I'm still trying to figure out exactly. I I'm I didn't want to get into discovery because I didn't want to have to live behind the CBS paywall and I did uh, end up I I bit I I bit down hard and I watched the free first episode on CBS and I went son of a you son of a guns man you've interested me enough to do this and so I've been I've been there since you know since episode 1 and uh for some reason the all the visual continuity uh just it just didn't bother me i just kind of i think i just let it wash over me and i just said you know what i'm not i'm not gonna let this get in the way of of continuity errors that i have let get in the way in the past like again i don't mean to just dump unendingly on enterprise though i think it kind of deserves it um things about enterprise i did like but i never really forgave enterprise for you know you know why didn't you just 
call you know this guy you know Captain April or you know why does a ship you know that's freaking I forget how far um, uh, Enterprise was you know before TOS it was like eighty eighty or a hundred years or something yeah Yeah. it was significant and so yeah it looks like you know it looks like something that takes place in like the Voyager timeline, you know, not, you know, I mean, it looks incredibly advanced. I think they, they did a, a really poor job with the production design on enterprise. Um, uh, but for whatever reason, I just didn't go through those issues. Maybe I had worked through them via enterprise and was just tired of the, the battle, or maybe I just accepted it. Um, for whatever reason, I, it didn't bother me, and I hope that anybody else watching would have the same experience. Um, I, I, uh, j- just to kind of d- defend the paywall, because, Bill, I, I was with you. I was just like, you know, I don't want to pay for this show. You know, CBS, bleh. But if you really sit down and think about it, 10 bucks for yeah. 15 hours of entertainment, that's a pretty good deal. If you um, just go for one month... Um, that's not bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, now it kind of feels to me like it's kind of the same thing with CBS All Access and, um, uh, I just, and, and, uh, DC Universe as well. It's like, I almost, it's almost a Patreon thing where I want to give them my money to let them know that this is working and that this is a good platform to give us niche content that, that would not do well, you know, up against Modern Family and, you know, NCIS New Orleans and, and you know, whatever else you got. Um, so uh, 10 bucks a month is a little steep because I, I <laughs> when I first bought in, I bought in for like six ninety nine with limited commercials and those limited commercials made me insane. I, I could not handle it. You know, you know what that means? What they, it means you're an old yep. fart that you can't I, wait I am 90 seconds. Fart. That's absolutely true. And, this is uh, why I haven't upgraded my Hulu subscription. I can well, deal with that. I can look at my phone for 90 seconds. <laughs> well, you know, I'm dealing with that because I, I gave up uh, a variety, um, Frontier. I gave up Fios cable TV service and the DVRs uh, a few months ago. And uh, in an effort to be a little more fiscally responsible, um, I uh, did. I actually did about a month of research and looking at videos and whatever. And um, I decided to go with... Um, um, Nice. Uh, I decided to go with uh, YouTube uh, TV uh, instead of like Hulu or Sling or something. And I really have no regrets. Uh, the only regret I do have, and I find this a really weird thing, is that of all the 70 channels, uh, I'm only really missing like Discovery Science Channel is really the only thing I'm missing. Everything else is there. BBC America, the ESPNs. Uh, oh, no NFL Network either. But other than that, um, it, it's it's really solid. But... Um, it's weird because you can watch live channels. The CW in Dallas or any CW affiliate is not part of that package. The, the even weirder part is that, so you cannot watch the CW live, but those shows will show up in your, uh, in your, in your library. So like next day, it's, it's like Hulu next day you can watch it, but it is with commercials. And so that honestly, I'll, I'll be in the kitchen. One of my favorite pastimes is to go into the kitchen, do some cleaning or some cooking or whatever, throw on a Supergirl or an arrow or whatever and burn through it. But now that, well, crap, now you're going to sit there and make me wait through two 
the thing even. I'm just going to be a freaking Supergirl episode. I'm like, I'm out. I'm going to go watch something else now. So I've uh, fallen behind uh, on a lot of my CW watching simply because of that. So yeah, I'm an old man. Uh, I'm going to go out and shout at clouds after the podcast is over. But um, uh, it's odd. When I'm sitting there with, with Buddy Mike at his place over a weekend, we can watch three, four episodes of CW shows. And I don't mind it because... Again, you're saying it's 90 seconds. Okay, yeah, I can look at my phone or have a conversation or go, you know, go make water in the men's room, you know, for 90 seconds. It works out fine. But just sitting there on the sofa or in the kitchen, I, I can't take it. So um, I'm I'm weak of character, you know. I, well, whatever. Pl- and plus, you can you can uh, unsubscribe after a month. Don't forget eh, that. Sure. <laughs> That's I guess what I, I could mean. Do that. that. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, I haven't had Hulu for a while or Netflix, but you know, if I ever need it, I'll just subscribe. And, and see, I am an old man in that. Uh, yeah, I've subscribed to all these. You know, I've got Hulu Prime, Netflix, you know, CBS, you know, DC, all this stuff, and. I would probably be a lot better off if I would take that tack. If you know what, I'm just going to unsubscribe for a month or two and then come back to it. I would probably save some real scrilla. Yeah. Brad, yeah. You, you recently saw Tiger King? Okay, yeah. So I fell down the Tiger King hole. So it's hard to explain what this documentary is about. It's There are people in the United States that own big cats, tigers, lions, um, panthers, bears. not bears. Oh my! And so it. This show <clears throat> is mainly about one guy named Joe Exotic, who owned a a big cat park in Oklahoma, and there are laws in the United States governing the ownership of big cats, and. They're kind of wishy-washy, apparently, because a lot of people get away with stuff they're not supposed to. So this Tiger King documentary is like seven episodes, um, and it's it starts one way. You think the show's about something else. It ends up being about three or four different things that dovetail together at the end, and it's it's more about the human drama between these group of about three or four people, as opposed to the cats themselves. And I tried to explain this, uh, describe what the show was about to my kids. And I was just stuttering around for words and trying like, kind of like I am now trying to figure out how to exactly describe it. It's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. The show is not for everybody. Um, because somebody said they thought maybe the show was about, it showed a lot of violence towards animals there. I can only remember like maybe one or two scenes in seven episodes that shows any form of violence towards animals. It's minimal, but it, that, that in itself is enough to turn some people off. And I get that. Um, but it's the craziest, most bonkers thing that I've ever seen. This TV show, uh, the consensus, you've probably seen these memes on the internet about Carol Baskin feeding her husband to the tigers. And I'm in that camp. I literally think she fed her first husband to the tigers, but again, it's, it's about the craziness that 
is this man named Joe Exotic and these other owners of other big cat parks across the nation. And it's just, I don't know what else to say about it other than it's fascinating. It's only seven episodes. Um, apparently it was like in the top 10 Netflix shows for a long time. Um, it's crazy. And long story short, this Joe exotic guy is currently in a Fort Worth prison. Yeah. Filing a $94 million lawsuit. <laughs> yeah. He's filing a lawsuit against the people who created the show and against his wrongful incarceration. I mean, it's just, oh. it's just absolutely bad crazy. I don't know other what other word to use to describe this. Uh, guano. How about guano crazy, Brad? How about banana pants? That's my favorite. That show, man, is banana pants. Yeah, it is banana pants crazy. Frank, have you seen it? Because I thought I was literally the only human out of 7 billion on this earth that has not seen it yet. I have not seen it. So, Interesting. My buddy Kevin. Wow, two out of three. What are the odds? My buddy Kevin tried three times to watch this episode, and he got frustrated okay. with it because the people in this show, the people that make up the story, are just utterly ridiculous and reprehensible. And yeah. he has no time for tomfoolery, apparently. I guess depending on your viewpoint, uh, the consensus, because I, literally every single other person I know on this planet, except for my kids, has watched the show. And it's just because I haven't asked them. Maybe they have. But um, <clears throat> it's either a source of frustration or great amusement to people that there is not one likable character. There's not one likable character appearing even for one second in the show, apparently. I would argue every- that there's that there is one. Okay. There is. I think the it sounds funny to even say this out loud, but Joe Exotic's campaign manager, okay. he ran for president of the United States. And if you're a John Oliver fan, you saw a little clip of him back in 2016, by the way. OK, OK. Um, I love John I think, Oliver. I think uh, Joe Exotic's campaign manager is probably the the only nice person in this whole story. <laughs> okay. That is hilarious. So it, it sounds like you're giving it a thumbs up. Brad. I would recommend it. Everyone, but. Because if for no other reason, then it'll make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> oh man. I, I hate those kind of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why I, I can't, I can't watch shows in either of the two, you know, extreme directions like i was never even as a kid i never had any time for lifestyles of the rich and famous and likewise i don't really want to watch a show about you know some homeless person living in the gutter you know i just i i i i want to i want to live in in the federate the tng federation where everybody's basically happy about stuff and, and things are okay there is one other guy that i would consider not bad he's he's a decent guy the way this, and he's the very first person in the very first voice you hear, I believe, if I remember correctly. Okay. This man, I don't remember his name, that the documentarian is interviewing. This man he's interviewing was a reality show producer who was producing a reality show about Joe Exotic and his life. And this guy gets put through the ringer because all he's trying to do is make TV. For people, he's just trying to do his job. He's just trying to build a reality show around this guy, but he has to deal with the shenanigans that this guy is doing. And I ended up feeling sorry for that guy because 
his life got totally jacked up. Okay, I'm, I'm, so, I'm a little interested yeah. now. So anyway, I would recommend it. Um, oh, I don't know what that means, but that's fascinating to me. I would recommend it because at the end, I felt much better about myself. Does it uh, tell a complete story or does it leave you with a cliffhanger? There are some answers left unanswered, some questions oh left unanswered, and there are twists and turns aplenty. Like, more often than not, at the end of each episode, I probably out loud said, What? <laughs> like, it, it would, the episode would cut to black, and I would say, What? Uh, that sounds like our time's up, but... Um, we can keep going. I know that... Uh, okay, I've said all I want to say about Tiger King. Okay. I've not said anything I wanted to say about Discovery, but uh, we can either let that drop. I just want to say that uh, the, the the one thing uh, which I think that you may uh, have loved uh, more than anything else, Frank, was uh, Captain Lorca and Captain Pike in that order. Maybe chronologically, if nothing else. But uh, uh, I thought um, Captain Lorca was uh, uh, was kind of a kick-ass captain, and uh, I and loved he had a him. Good story arc. Well, and he was um, was he, he was the, the main captain? Cap- was he the main guy? Or season one? Yes. Was he the guy yes. that ended up playing Black Bolt on the ABC? Uh, exactly. Yes. No, no, no that's, that's Pike. Pike. Sorry. That's oh, that was two. Pike. Oh, okay. And Pike and Pike is a great captain too, but Lorca for season one on Discovery uh, has a story arc that um, the less you know going in, the better. Well, maybe I'll watch Discovery uh, if somebody and, uh, shares Jason, their logon information with me. Jason, uh, I, I cannot promise you that uh, while we're recording a podcast. Wink, wink. Um, but. Um, I just I think that um, uh, Jason Isaacs was incredible. He what it what it felt like was um, um, it felt like uh, uh, Ronnie Cox. Uh, what what episode was that? Uh, the TNG episode where he comes in and he basically lays down the letter of the he law was while Picard. Jericho. Yeah, while Picard is out there seeing four lights, he's kicking the uh, yeah. the crew's butt and telling him to quit whining about Admiral stuff. Jericho and I freaking loved it. You want to talk about a stand up character? You talking about standing up and clapping in your freaking own living room? Yeah, that's me, baby. And you know so that. Lorca, Lorca has that same feel. Um, he's just he is not here to coddle <laughs> you, and it's really freaking awesome because that does not play to the modern stereotype of uh, uh, of Star Trek captains. And then of course uh, I, I I predict that you will fall in love with Captain Pike, and uh, it's kind of interesting how they they shoehorn his story towards what you see in the cage. Um, yeah, yeah they, there's they, a direct reference that, that, uh, yeah. that makes the cage even more profound. I could not agree more. And, and Brad, uh, they do answer the, the question, the very vexing question of, wait a minute, you had technology that could do this, you know, a, a generation or 10 years or whatever before, the old series and how come we have literally never even heard of it uh the answer uh is going to be satisfying to some extent it may not satisfy you totally but it is it is an explanation and they do explain by the end of season two why nobody has ever heard of the discovery or it's 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 very experimental uh spore drive so there, it, it, there are it feels answers. like a cheat to me it's kind of like a convenient like okay this is the answer. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, well, you knew that you knew there had to be an answer of some sort in that vein. You know that it had to be something like that. So you know, I I went, yeah, okay, that's that's ninety three percent satisfying. You know, I can I can live with that. All right, I will Um, open my mind to the possibility of watching it. Um, I think, uh, you're going to find that, uh, the show is incredibly woke and, uh, the, the lead character, Michael Burnham, I always thought was, was, uh, she's a really good, uh, character, but, uh, man, she cries a lot. Um, she, uh, that, that actress can cry on command. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I she was great in the walking dead. That, yeah, well, yeah, I had I, friends I, growing up who could fart on I, command. She can cry on command. So people have different skills. It's all, it's all fine. Uh, say there is the last two episodes of season two. Uh, there is a race against the clock. Uh, they they this. have got to do something at a certain time, and there are so many times when people stop to talk about their feelings in the last two seasons, <laughs> in the last two episodes of that season. That drives me bananas. It's just like <laughs> we need to do this right now, but wait. Let me tell you how I feel. Weep, 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 weep. <sighs> and then, you know, kiss, 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 hug, hug, hug. Okay. All right. I have yes. to go. And and, uh, <laughs> and it's just, that happened so many times in those last two episodes. It frustrated me so much. But, but, but the yes. story, but it's still a lot of fun. Uh, I, I don't mean this as a pejorative, um, but uh, this show, like Picard, uh, actually more so than Picard, I think, is very woke. Uh, they're very consciously woke about things, about talking about feelings and you know representation and this and that. And that's again, that's not a bad thing. Um, people who are tired of woke culture uh, might be driven a little tiny bit nuts about that, but hey, you know, that's how. Uh, that that's how baseball go, as uh, a great Texas Rangers manager once said. So uh, I, I found it uh, as something that I kind of had to warm up to, and I do find the idea of the the new concept, which is you know new uh, a, a new modern storytelling concept, you know, or at least they use it. I'm not saying that they just invented the concept in the last ten years, but but you know each season there are some episodes that kind of feel one off. But uh, the season arcs, uh, what you found in Picard, where it's basically one 10-hour-long story, eight-hour-long story, with a couple of moments thrown in that could serve as standalone episodes, uh, it's basically uh, everything served. And so if you're one of those purists who appreciates the Monster of the Week, you know, Issue of the Week episode, um, you're going to find this uh, possibly exhausting. But uh, I found it fascinating. Uh, of course, you know I'm a Trekkie, so I was gonna. Well, cool, cool, Bill. Well, okay, uh, yeah, we you went know, over our thirty. There has not been enough conflict in this episode yet. We've done way too much agreeing with each other. <laughs> well, Frank had an idea. Well, we can either. I don't think it's going to work. Do you want to move forward with it? Well, I don't think we can do an entire episode with that. So maybe we just, (laughs) maybe we just do a little extra longer episode right now. And we each do one thing. It's we're only supposed to talk what 90 seconds. Let's just try it. What the heck? Let's try it. Okay. So we're all familiar with situations. It's kind of a trope in movies and TV where someone is forced down to onto a stage and they have to give a speech where they have to talk about something that they know nothing about. So what I'm proposing for us to do 
is that uh, uh, we are each going to introduce one another. I'll do Bill, and I'm going to introduce him to a group of people who are expecting him to speak on a certain topic. Now, Bill knows nothing about this topic, but for 90 seconds, he has to speak convincingly about this topic. And then, Bill, you can introduce me or Brad, and then that last person will do the person that hasn't spoken yet. Does that make sense? Yes. I have a 90-second timer ready to go. <laughs> okay. It makes enough sense. So, Bill, imagine there is an auditorium of people out there. Brad and I actually talked about this a little bit to come up with a topic for you. I have never and, been scared to talk in front of a crowd. <laughs> okay. Brad, do you have the timer ready? Yes, Frank, I'm ready to go. I have 90 second timer. <laughs> Standing by. Okay. So the sec after I introduce Bill, start the timer. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming to the Arborist Convention today. Uh, we have a guest speaker here that is going to talk about the infestation of pine trees by the uh, Asian beetle. Uh, please welcome to the stage, Bill McGonnell. <sighs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Um, as, uh, as you all know, uh, one of my great loves is, uh, is, is arboring and, and especially pine cone <laughs> trees because they're pretty and they're fun and they're kind of pokey if you get too close to them. Now, some of them, I, a little backstory is needed here, okay? Um, I grew up in, in a, a town that had no trees, and it was very sad. And so I was constantly running away as a child. I would go uh, to places on the east side of the tree line. See, we lived in, in central Oklahoma, which was about 60 miles, uh, a little bit less than that, uh, west of the, the kind of the national tree line that basically starts on the eastern side of Texas, Oklahoma, and, uh, and, and goes all the way and becomes Dixie apparently, uh, eventually. So, uh, um, so yeah, I was, uh, a constant problem as a child running away, um, um, you know, getting into drugs. Um, you know, uh, um, I, uh, I sold my sister two or three times. She kept coming back. Uh, not my fault. Anyway, this, this all has to do with my love of trees. Um, so, um, we finally, uh, I finally talked my parents and letting me go to school and um, I knew that what I was going to do was come into uh, this world and uh, present myself as an adult to everybody else as an expert on botany. Um, specifically, stop. stop. That was 90 oh. seconds. Now, Frank, we should have known. I haven't even started yet. I've got at least another three minutes in me. Frank, we should have known from the get-go that Bill would be able to fill 90 seconds with absolute nonsense. Had, yes. That has See, nothing I, to do with the topic at hand. <laughs> we should have known from the get-go that this was a failed experiment. Yes. I, uh, I think I was using Bill, strategy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say you did a pretty stellar job. Uh, uh, I was almost tempted uh, at the end to kind of do a Q&A, but that would that would require us to, to know questions on the topic. So well, that, that I, may I be a little hard. So. I haven't actually got to the subject yet, so I feel like I've shorted the listener. So um, <laughs> okay. to all, to all uh, 11 of you out there, 
I am sorry. Okay. Uh, so I Bill, think, Bill, you, you knew exactly what you were doing. <laughs> I may have been flying by the seat of my pants a little tiny bit. It just may be a natural talent. That's possible. Okay, Bill, now you have to introduce either Brad or myself with a topic. So I'll give you a moment to kind of think about it. And then you have to throw us into the uh, into the fire. Uh, let's see, uh, uh, Brad. This is uh, this is where we unleash, correct? Yeah. All right, um, Frank. This is for you. Um, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, metallurgists of all ages. Your dreams are about to come true as we welcome to our center stage Frank A. Rincon, who is here to instruct you and talk to you and comfort you on the subject of 16th century Dutch metallurgy. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, Frank A. Rincon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello. Welcome to the convention. This is exciting. So, metallurgy... Well, Webster's defines metallurgy as, you know what, you guys all know this, so, (laughs) right? Um, So, let me look at my notes here. Um, um, You know, the Dutch have a saying about metallurgy, can't Dutch this. Because they are the best at what they do. <laughs> and as we all know, as we all, all know, metallurgy is what makes, well, it's what brings us together. It's the, it's the bond. And if you think about it, it's a apt metaphor. It's a bond, I think, of, of, chemicals i mean everything is chemicals right if you think about it uh sunlight's a chemical i guess and dirt right and metal but let's talk about how that can stop you (laughs) no questions thank you very much goodbye god you guys are both okay what is awful people (laughs) See, you should have ended that with no funeral. <laughs> I don't know what metallurgy is, so I was. Re- you did a good job, Bill. I was flying by the. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not taking credit for that one. Uh, uh, Brad is uh, a genius, and I merely trod on his uh, his, his coattails to get there. Neither one of you even tried. Um, give me a round two, man. I will nail it. Uh, uh, I went. I went. I did go for a little bit of comedy uh, at it, so I, I tried. But the, uh, who's going to tell me what is metallurgy? I don't want to look it up. I want you to tell me. Well, I think uh, metallurgy is uh, people, and I am not looking this up. Uh, metallurgy is people who are uh, uh, metal scientists, basically, who are trying to come up with uh, alloys and new formations of metal uh, to create uh, better shields, better weapons, better. Household everyday products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's when I was the, talking about metal bonds and stuff and chemicals, I was kind of, sort of there. You know, I think you weren't really there at all. Um, <laughs> just um, don't mean to be uh, that guy. Let's see. Uh, Metallurgy met- is blacksmithing. the branch it's of science and technology concerned with the properties of metals and their production and purification. Uh, uh, nice. 
Nice. nice. Okay. As, as in, you can uh, analyze a, uh, a bronze sword or something, and uh, you can uh, gain information on the society that wielded it and when they lived and where they lived, based uh-huh. on impurities in okay. the metal and yeah. things like that. Okay, so uh, do I toss to Brad, or uh, Bill, do you toss to Brad? I uh, guess I toss. Yes, you toss to Brad. Okay. All right, Brad, you have your, uh, I need a moment. Um, Brad, do you have the timer ready? Okay, yes, I'm ready. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we would like to uh, thank you for attending today's convention on the uh, science of agriculture. And coming in today is speaker Brad Milo, who will be talking about the new fancy uh, scientific way of creating corn using synthesism instead of uh, organic material. Brad, take it away. Okay, here we go. Ready? So the pause was pretty good. <laughs> the creation of of let me, let me just get this right. The creation of synthetic corn. Yes. All right, here we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the uh, the synthetic corn conference. Um, as we all know, uh, corn is a vegetable uh, grown uh, in in nature. Well. You know we're we're getting to the the point where we need to start coming up with ways of synthesizing corn on their own because you can never have too many uh, tortilla chips. So we've been studying uh, uh, reactions with uh, polymers of, of plastics and um, seaweed uh, together to uh, to uh, form uh, synthetic corn. Um, so far, we've had no success whatsoever. Uh, corn is made up of yellow stuff and. Uh, and nature um and the the trick with corn is you see that if you don't chew it up all the way you see it in in whole chunks in your poop and so with synthetic corn what we plan to do is create the synthetic corn that will dissolve completely so you never see uh corn chunks in your poop again so nobody will ever know that you were eating uh corn because as we all know corn is um the stigma of eating corn you know corn was like a filthy pig uh, vegetable and and nobody likes to eat filthy pig vegetables anymore. So, it's um, we're coming up with ways to um, use various resins and polymers to combine sawdust and yellow food coloring to create uh, synthetic corn. This uh, concludes the uh, demonstration. Glad uh, that was pretty stellar. Hey, thanks. Thank you for the applause. <laughs> Thank you for the applause. I appreciate that. Um, you crushed that it, dude. That was awesome, yeah. man. You know what? My favorite part is I feel like I learned something. Did you? I really did, man. That was nice, dude. I was oh, not thanks. expecting that. Yeah, I mean, I was the, expecting some half-assed attempt that at, uh, that just would barely, you know, barely even be on the target, much less freaking <laughs> bullseye, dude. God, I, I do nice like how you job. incorporated Kaka in it. Uh, that was that was very good. Whenever it's, you can work a, Kaka, it's a very human stuff. thing that we all deal with. It is. I mean, everybody poops, yeah. right? Right. It was the best. And, and, uh, 
that's that's the one reason why I don't like to eat corn. I mean, corn is good, yeah, but it, I almost feel like it's a cheat. It's well, just like, no, hey, no, dude. But, I mean, it's no, you, you treat the toilet like you're going over like the royal gorge or something like that. Just don't look down. I, I mean, unless you clog, unless you clog the toilet up, and then you have to, and that's always a drag. Uh, I can I eat corn down. on the cob every day. That's how much I love corn on the cob. Oh my god! I wish I had some corn on the cob. I would destroy it right I now. I can't believe we're not eating corn on the cob right now. Man, I I uh, now I don't have. I have a couple of cans of corn. I don't have any cobs, but maybe you know what I'm going to do. In your honor, I'm going to take uh, the can of corn. Uh, I'm going to uh, take a toilet paper roll, uh, and I'm going to glue the corn to the toilet paper roll. I was. Mm, that's good eating. I, mean, I was literally so about toxic. to open my mouth to suggest toilet paper rolls. Kids, kids, use non-toxic glue for this, okay? Don't use JB Weld or, or like Gorilla Glue. Use Elmer's School Glue to do this project at home. Hey, we, all ate, we all ate Elmer's Glue when we were kids, and we're still alive, so. That's what I'm saying. That's I know. We all, ate, we all ate Elmer's Glue. We all ate, ate, ate paper. Um, this is the yeah, smartest uh, thing you've said all day today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I do feel good about uh, that contribution. Mm-hmm. Finally. I, I, I would only eat non-GMO glue, though. I mean, that's that's where I kind of draw the line. You that's just you just point. have well, to, uh, you know, watch out for yourself because you only get one, one body and you need well, to and, take care of it. Hey, let and, me and ask no you guys a question. Hmm. Gluten allergies. Myth or fact? Um... <laughs> Fact, but in far less the population than people want you to believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there are some people who absolutely have celiac disease, but most people are just like, oh, gluten, I was told I shouldn't eat it, so it must be evil. It's like, you know, gluten is delicious. Yeah. I mean, just like uh, um, uh, lact- being lactose intolerant, thank goodness mm-hmm. I'm not. I love, oh I love me some milk. And, oh uh, my god! I mean, that's a that's a real thing. But I really can't get it, enough it, of it, cheese. Yeah, yeah. It's how my bones are so strong. My uh, <laughs> my older daughter, actually, both of my kids, they exhibited lactose intolerance when they were younger, so they stopped drinking milk. And to this yep. day, I feel sorry for them because they don't know the joy of dipping a chocolate chip cookie in a cold glass of milk. Yeah, maybe you need to introduce them. Um, Sage and myself are lactose uh, tolerant, and um, dear Zoe got it from probably my mother. Uh, and Zoe does; she's not like wildly lactose intolerant, but it will give her like a sour stomach. So yeah. um, she does. Uh, she does have her daddy uh, bring her home almond milk. And she prefers the vanilla unsweetened almond milk, but she really enjoys that. And that's a definite thing. Um, you know, there's also oat milk these days and there's, you know, I've never, I've never tried any of that stuff because it sounds disgusting, but, uh, but there are alternatives out there for people who still wish to have that delicious bowl of crunch berries or to dip that uh, chips ahoy uh, into it until, you know, until it gets nice and soggy. So I have a gluten intolerance allergy. Which means I'm allergic to those that have a gluten intolerance. Ah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, like, if you're up. at a restaurant and someone uh, and and you know someone mentions that they have a gluten allergy, you automatically just have to get up and move over one seat. I or guess. yeah, or yeah, shove the basket of chips at them. Right. Or I just or grab just the say, back of their head me. and shove it in their bread. There you, you go. Know, in the bread basket that's on the table. 
I, just, I think I, my gut tells me that a lot of people are quote unquote gluten uh, uh, allergic because it's a reason for them not to eat carbs and they can snobs, and, well no and they can and they can stay skinny it's it's a reason for them not to eat bread well that's bread, why bread is delicious and and uh, you know if, if you convince yourself you're you, you can't eat bread then uh, then you won't eat the delicious carbs and you'll stay skinny well I um I always carry around um. Uh, a coffee can full of gluten and sometimes just for fun you know to be the the prankster that i am uh, i will take a handful of gluten and i will throw it in somebody's face and then i'll laugh and point at them it doesn't always work out well but i think it's funny so it's fine with me i think you think my kids are going to be well adjusted oh absolutely i have no doubt so thank you for listening to a half hour wasted <laughs> The uh, the last commercial free podcast <laughs> on the internet, and it's not from lack of trying. Just nobody will will uh, will sponsor us. So uh, no, we've even tried paying people, and they don't have anything <laughs> to do with us. Yeah. But we want to we want to thank you so much for listening to a half hour wasted. Uh, uh, we hope you're staying safe out there. Drop us an email. Let us know how you're doing at halfhourwasted at gmail.com or you can follow us at halfhourwasted on the Twitter. Uh, but with that said, uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Frank. I'm Brad. So about the uh, tree bugs. And we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. <laughs>